The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. I had the opportunity this week to read through Mark's gospel a couple of times all the way through. On uh, Thursday, I got together over Zoom with, uh, with folks in my old church. We had a tradition where on Maundy Thursday, we would always read through a whole gospel. The first year we did it, uh, that Maundy Thursday fell on St. Patrick's Day, so we read the gospel with Guinness that year. Uh, but uh, it came back around to Mark this year, which was good. Uh, and then on Monday, before that, uh, I got together with some uh, Anglican friends that I've gotten to meet over Twitter. Uh, and again, folks from all over the country, lay and ordained, we all hopped on and, and everybody took a chapter and we read through Mark's gospel, which was a, a great preparation for me as our gospel passage this morning is the very end of Mark's gospel. And as, as I sat there and listened to the gospel being read, you know, for, for one, it's just, it's a different experience. Uh, some people, when, when they're in church and they hear the, the, the text being read, they like to read along, and that's fine. Other people, they like to listen. That, that would have been how the early Christians would have heard these texts. Most of them were illiterate. They would have had to have somebody read them to them. But as I sat there listening, it just, I, I was struck. You know, things, different things hit you when you're listening as opposed to when you're reading. And I was, I was struck by just what idiots the disciples were. I mean, in all four Gospels, these guys clearly come off as not the sharpest knives in the drawer, but Mark especially seems to want to make it very clear that Jesus had not exactly picked the A-team. There's a story back in the middle of Mark's Gospel in chapter 8. Uh, they're, they're in the boat, and the setup here, Mark tells us in verse 14, is that the disciples had forgotten to bring any bread with them. They only had one loaf in the boat for 12 guys and the Savior of the universe. And so they're sitting there in the boat, and Jesus says, now be careful. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. And they discussed this with one another, and they said, it's because we don't have any bread. Aware of their discussion, Mark says, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hard? Do you have eyes, but you can't see? Are your ears closed? Don't you remember? Look, what, 
when I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, you remember that, guys? 5,000 people, we had five loaves, two fishes. How many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up afterward? Twelve. Right. And remember, we had 4,000, and I had seven loaves, and we broke those. How many basketfuls did you pick up after that? You can imagine them, like, looking at their feet, like, seven. (laughs) And you still don't get it. And then at the very end of the gospel, I think Mark throws one last bit of shade at the disciples. And the very last thing that we read in verse 7, the last, of the, last part of Mark that everybody agrees is, the, is part of Mark, we, we have angels of all people throwing shade at the disciples saying, go tell his disciples and Peter, telling the, the women, the faithful women who are Jesus' followers who'd come to his tomb, Go tell his disciples, tell Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee and you're going to see him there. Just like he told you. He told you this was going to happen. And, and, but again, that's the story in all of the Gospels. I like the, the special uh, spice that, uh, that Mark adds to it. But the story in all of these, all the Gospels, is that when Jesus encounters his disciple, I mean, in all, in all of the, all the Gospels, the tomb is empty, And then in Matthew, Luke, and John, we have stories of Jesus actually interacting with his disciples after he's been raised from the dead. And in all of them, they're surprised, right? You think about what Jesus said in Luke's gospel on the road to Emmaus. He's like, are are you guys are so slow of heart, so foolish to understand all that the prophets have spoken? Not to mention the fact that I told you when I was with you that this was going to happen. The Son of Man was going to be put to death and then three days later be raised up and guess what happened exactly that and i have to tell you the fact that the disciples are such morons is a tremendous comfort to me speaking as a priest who twice on easter sunday has already dropped the gospel book if you're coming here and you've got everything together professionally you're hitting it out of the park, your money's good, relationships with people you care about are all whole, you don't have any weeds growing in your yard, there's nothing that only you and the garbage man knows about, or you and your internet provider, then I'm not sure I have much for you. But if, like me, you're a deeply imperfect person, I have for you the very good news that we are exactly the kind of people that God works with. The 2,000-year history of the church, starting with these 11 yo-yos, is that God draws straight lines with some very crooked sticks. We celebrate the great feasts. We have our patron, Andrew. But again, you look at the stories about him, it's not like he was always doing or saying the right thing. He would have been one of the guys in the boat with Jesus saying, he's got the bread, isn't it? Dang it, he's got the bread. Who, who forgot to get bread? No. The fact is, Jesus died a painful, horrific death on the cross as we just honored on Good Friday for everybody. He did that because everybody needs to be saved from ourselves, 
from the depredations of others, the world, the flesh, and the devil. All of us need salvation, which is why it's such good, good news that Jesus' death was for all of us. And the story of Easter is not just that Jesus did what he said he was going to do. Oh, that's a, that's a pretty big deal. And it's not just that he came back from the dead, which is a really big deal because, you know, people in the first century knew just as well as we know today that dead people stay dead. That's why it was sort of a big deal that people had the story to tell and why usually when people heard that, they're like, I don't, I, that doesn't make sense. And the sense you get in all of these gospel accounts is they're like, it doesn't make sense to us either, but, but this is what happened. He was dead and now he's alive and the tomb was empty and he appeared and he talked to us. The good news of that is that Jesus is not the only one for whom that's going to be true. Because as Paul says, if we have died with him in baptism into a death like his, so too we live into a resurrection like his. Jesus died for all because we all need to be saved and he lives for all because God is faithful to his promises, as the psalmist says. And he's loving toward everything that he has made. He made all of us for life, not for death. His desire for us is that we cooperate with him in his work of cosmic reconciliation. And he's going to use even us to do the things that he has in mind to do. The good news of Easter is that this new life, which one day we will know in full, is one that we get to begin living now by the grace of the Lord who poured himself out for us. So when we come to his table, as we will in a few minutes, we do so not as people who have any business sitting down at the table with the Lord of the universe. We do so as people who have been invited by his grace and mercy. People who are able to come because he has made the way for us. Amen.